We've had another very generous sponsor on the podcast. Um, as you know, uh, Carl and myself run this podcast uh, strictly out of our own pockets and try to do our best. And we've had a guy step up, um, a gentleman by the name of Doug Beers. Doug Beers has a company called Pro Gift Cards. Um, it also funds our other sponsor, uh, PGC Basketball Academy, with some other key corporate donations um, that Doug gives out. He's a very generous guy. We're very thankful for him. If you need bulk gift cards, and when I say bulk gift cards, I've been to his office from Tim Hortons to Earl's to Canadian Tire. It's across the board, Walmart, you name it, all right? For your company or any organization, pro gift cards can get them to you at a discount. If you mention a Hoops Journey podcast, you'll get a special discount as well. So whether you're running like a golf tournament or some sort of event, reach out and he'll take care of you. If you Google Pro Gift Cards, they're also found on the Walmart Canada website under gift cards as the exclusive supplier for Walmart Canada gift cards. Support his company. Uh, he's a great guy, a big hoop head, um, and has really looked out for our podcast. Once again, that's Pro Gift Cards. Mention a hoops journey and you can find yourself a little bit of a deal. Thank you to Doug Beers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a hoops journey. We have episode 119, a gentleman who's been involved in the game for decades uh, many different roles within our country, a U-sport coach for almost 20 years with McMaster, um, scouting and working with Canada basketball, and now has a pretty unique role and job with the CEBL, um, you know, in terms of basketball operations and continuing to help grow and build our game. As people who know and listen to the show, I had the opportunity to go to a few Bandits games this year and was overly impressed with the product. My son to the semifinal night and thought that was great. And really looking forward to uh, chopping it up. You know, I'm uh, go back to my own memories thinking of McMaster and, you know, Mega and all the guys. But um, this is why I love doing this uh, podcast. Uh, the last name says it all. A family rich in basketball as well as son who's still involved in the game. We have none other than Mr. Joe Razzo with us today. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Aaron. Thanks for the invite. Hey, it's my pleasure. And it's been a while back and forth. But, I, you know, it's... Um, you're right in the thick of things with CEBL season. And um, I'm glad that you and fortunate that you took the opportunity to uh, sit down with us today. How are things for you these days? And how did you feel overall from your experience and perspective? Things went with the league. Um, and uh, what are you looking forward to with next season? Well, th things are good. It's, it's kind of the, it's kind of the basketball off season, that whole two weeks between, um, you know, the world cup, the world cup. And now, to this point, uh, the key part <laughs> for us was CBL had a great year and, and we've grown and we're growing quickly. And in five years, you're looking at steps that you're taking and you're looking at timelines and our timelines have literally been anaerobic. Mm. Um, you know, you go five years, you're the first team to play in a bubble. You're the, you're the biggest pro league in the country. And all of a sudden we're drawing crowds of over 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. uh, we've added 10 teams to the league. Uh, we're, we're doing well and every, every area and every team did better at the gate and we did better in getting on TSN. So I think we're progressing and that's the key. And I think we're at the point now where I feel like we're a major league organization. 
and basketball is stepping forward. And I think that helps because we picked the game that's growing the fastest. I love it. Such so many good points. And I agree. We are on a super, like, you know, it is growing rapidly. And I can say from personal experience, being someone who lived, lives in the lower mainland, lives in Vancouver, South Vancouver. And, you know, when the bandits were all the way in Abbotsford, it was a stretch for me, right. To get my son out there for a game and no knock on Abbotsford. It's just, it's far. Right. And so their move to Langley, um, and just sort of those trial and error things that I guess as a league, you're figuring out along the way and the product, um, on the court spoke for itself. I thought the talent was phenomenal, but just the atmosphere as well. Um, my son had an absolute blast. You got the fire zooming out of the shot clock. Um, I think the pace of the game and just the uniqueness with the play to the score makes for some really great things. And I think you make some good points and I'd just like to personally say kudos to you guys um, and, and all the work and everybody that's putting work in to make it a great league. Cause I think it's something Canada needs and it's, and it's the words thrown around too much, but it's become elite, which is cool. So congratulations. And I know you're not satisfied, but um, thanks for all the work that you've been putting into that. Well, you're welcome. It's, 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 it, it's a journey. It's a legacy effect for me. So I am all in and was from the beginning and I'm just thrilled that it's happened the way it is. Yeah. And I think too, you know, I got just, you know, before we jump into your story a little more, just thinking about, I was there for that semifinal, like I said, and, you know, we had Joel Anthony, who has been on the show. You got Jermaine Anderson, right? Javon Shepard, the guys that are, were heavily involved in the game and they see value in it. Right. And they're kind of, they're a step up in terms of the faces for basketball. And I think it's great to see them being involved. And that's important um, because it's not people that we don't know. It's people that are tangible than it have been there and played at the highest levels that are involved, which is also fantastic. Yeah. Right on. Well, let's get into it. Tell us about a young, a young Joey R. Uh, where did we grow up? What was life like for us? And as we started to become, uh, you know, a young, you know, teenager, where did basketball play into your life? Well, I'm a Hamilton guy, Hamilton born, Hamilton raised, call it the center of the earth. Um, and uh, <laughs> for me, it, it started as a, I didn't have any, the only, I, it started with a coach. And I had the best coach in my entire life. My high school coach wasn't a teacher. He was a great athlete. But he taught, he was a great teacher, maybe the best teacher mm -hmm. I ever had. And he got me to fall in love with the game, but he got to me to see the game at a different level. I'd watch games with him and he was my tutor and my mentor. And then my kind of my career goes from high school, you go to university and you're a walk-on. And I got that call from the coach and said, sorry, you're cut. You're not making the team. And it was my mm -hmm. high school coach who then convinced me that you didn't get cut. You, like if you if you walk away from the game, you leave the game. Like you're making it's up to you. He said, find a way to get into the game. Find a way to get into practice. And so mm -hmm. I took the back door as a manager. And that back door turned into being center court live every night at practice, in coaches meetings. I had got an education that was spectacular. Um, mm. you know, your jobs, your responsibility as a man, I was a manager who wanted to be a coach. I did all the duties of the manager, but my goal was I wanted to learn and wanted to do stuff. And before you know it, in a couple of years, you're running scout teams and you're starting to do stuff. And my role kind of evolved. And mm -hmm. so my career as a coach always became greater than my career as a player and mm -hmm. learned how to be an assistant, learned how to be a young assistant, did that for a few years. 
And then eventually took stage and had my own basketball program in that I, I, I it was given my old high school team, a team that I hadn't won since I'd left and mm-hmm. I won a game. But I was mm-hmm. given the responsibility and the principal that hired me said to me, what, what's your goal? And I said, I'm going to build a program. So myself and my former coach, we coached the JV team. We coached the, what we called midgets, the freshman team, and we coached the varsity team. And we built a program. We had some good, solid kids. And in five years, we ended up a school of 507, won the highest level AAA basketball championship in Ontario. We were good. Mm -hmm. We had 10 kids that all became university players. All 10 of them became coaches. Um, Mm -hmm. A number of them are still coaching university and college basketball. So I was blessed and had some great kids. And back then, in Ontario, to win the championship, you had to beat Rowan Barrett. You had to beat Michael Meeks. You had to beat Sherman <laughs> Hamilton. It was, you know, it that's. And so when I got to coach those guys, um, they constantly remind me that uh, maybe we had an inside track on some of it. But uh, that was my then. That propelled me <laughs> on to university again. And then I was a young guy, got to coach at McMaster. And in 18 years, we went to 12 national championships tournaments, and we finished with a silver four years out of those 12. So uh, mm-hmm. I was a coach. I was a fortunate one. Most coaches try to coach their way home. I started at home and uh, then got be able to propel myself into some NBA scouting, more national team stuff. And then the opportunity came to go pro uh, with the River Lions, with the intention, the owner of the River Lions, Richard Petko, is a visionary. He's a basketball fan that put his money where his mouth is and started the CBL and he mm-hmm. sold me day one that this was going <laughs> to work. And, uh, so that's the journey in a quick summation, but, yeah. uh, part of it has been at the right location, meeting the right people. And, you know, for me, I'm one of the lucky ones and I could say that basketball has taken me to every continent in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to use the game and the game hasn't used me. And yeah. uh, I'm really, really happy and fortunate. And it's been a, a great journey and, and just a great ride. It's awesome. Um, as we go back and think about it, what was it about basketball at, at that young age, the high school years that that drew you to it? Was the camaraderie? I mean, you mentioned a, a mentor and coach early on in your life that that looked out for you and kind of that you connected with. But what 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 else was it about the game that made it special for you? Did you play any other sports? No, I was an inner city kid, you know, like a son of two immigrants. It was, I played football and I loved football and I loved high school football. And, you know, I thought that would be my route that that I would go, but it was part of the geography. I live, Mm. you know, an hour from Buffalo. And with back then with rabbit ears, I could watch the Buffalo Braves or I could watch, Mm -hmm. you know, we called the big three back then Bonaventure with Bob Lanier um, you know, Calvin Murphy at Niagara. It was the glory days. And wow. There's some names yes, right there. Yes. Wow. And so all Ooh. of a sudden you're, you're the kid that maybe you're a little different. I wasn't the hockey guy, you know, but so maybe yeah. I would like, you know, what we, then we grew up and we used to consider, consider ourselves the freaks who didn't play hockey. We'd have to go find mm-hmm. gyms <laughs> to play basketball, uh, <laughs> church basements, whatever it was. There was a group of us that loved the game. And, and so you had to search it out. But mm-hmm. being close in proximity and catching, you know, the, the Buffalo news and the highlights kind of was my first introduction. Um, 
to the game. And it was kind of, and the nice thing was it went back then it was personal. It was mine. Yeah. I really liked that analogy. It was personal and it was mine. I never really thought of it like that. Um, and there is something unique about basketball too, right? Is like you want, you can watch it by yourself or with your buddies or you watch it solo. And then you can also work on it by yourself. I really like that. That's good stuff. Look at you all poetic on us here. Wow. Oh, early. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, you know, what, what reminds me the most about being basketball mm-hmm. as a kid and, and it was like, you know, you go to the park and you play whatever you found a hoop, mm-hmm. there's people playing. Like I'll go around now and I'll drive and at the only park that I can guarantee you that there's going to be kids in the park doing what we did as basketball players are mm-hmm. skateboard parks. I love it. I fall in love with, I, I, I don't know how to skate. I've never been on a skateboard. <laughs> I'd kill myself. But what I admire about skateboard parks, it's, I don't see any adults. I see kids attempting things, falling down, other skaters teaching other kids how to do stuff. They got their phones out, they're videotaping, they're doing stuff. It was what basketball was. It was trial and error. And then you got into games. Once a game opened up, you got into it. Um, I think it's the closest thing that I look at now that reminds me of what my kind of what my basketball journey was. Almost a little bit of purity. And how does that make you feel? I mean, the game's going to evolve. Things are going to evolve. Technology's involved. Lots of stuff. But when you talk about the reflection you're talking about, I have the same feelings and emotions towards the game as well. I remember playgrounds. I luckily had a flat driveway too, right? So um, how does that make you feel about where the games come? Is there goods and bads and in-betweens for you? Yeah, you know what? The good to me is... I work as an advanced scout, and I so I'm at a lot of Raptor games. Mm-hmm. I think what we have in basketball is we have the most inclusive sport that exists, and it's our goal as basketball and Basketball Canada and as coaches to keep it inclusive. So we've got to minimize the fluff costs. We have to make it so that everybody can participate. Um, there are some reservations. Like I, I look at, I, I thought high school, I am such a high school basketball fan. And I know that there's been an involvement mm-hmm. into prep schools. And I think that, and I think there's room for both, but I think the prep school still has to give that experience that you got in high school. Like, I think there's a huge value of a player learning how to be the man. The great thing about university sport was everybody who's on your team should have been the best player from their school. And that's a skill that a lot of players now don't have because at a very young age, they become role players. And we need, like, I think it's great, the explosion of it. Like, I, mm-hmm. to me, it, I love, if a prep school is a true school, then I've got all the support in the world for it because they're getting great teaching. But it's that experience of being out of school. It's that experience of putting the school's name on your jersey where thousands of people are going to come and watch you. It's not the name of a, just a program. Um, you're playing for something other than just yourself. You're like, there, you've got pressure on you that's not just self-created, but there's pressure of being there. So, you know, there's some things that you see that you would like to, to see change a little bit or, you know, some straightened out a little bit, but, uh, the involvement of the game, uh, you know, it's, it, we've taken advantage of the fact that mom and dad have all not played organized basketball, but have all shot a hoop somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
and that part is growing. Uh, the growth of the game, uh, it's it's not it's owned by everybody. And I, mm-hmm. I I'm amazed when you know you go to a Raptor game and there's a lineup for 20 minutes before the game just to get the super fan Nobs autograph. <laughs> that's that's what basketball is in this country. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm seeing some great things happen, and I think we're seeing a lot of better things happen than you know not seeing things happen. But you know, there's some there's some things I'd like to see cleaned up a little bit. What can we say about the people at Parkside, especially our guy Sam Payne, a huge supporter of basketball in our community? The gentleman does many things behind the scenes that people don't know about. And one of those is supporting our podcast from literally day one. Sam reached out to us and said, hey, I like what you're doing. How do we get involved? And what you can do is find them at any local government store or come down to the brewery, sit on the patio, sit in the back, listen to the music, come for music trivia night, whatever it is. The wide variety of beer that they offer is second to none. And Port Moody in the Brewer's Row is a great place to be. We are so appreciative of Parkside Brewery, we can't even say it in enough words. Head down, we hope to see Parkside, and if you can't, find a way to support, because they do a lot for us. Cheers. Fantastic. I, I agree. I mean, you know, from a high school perspective as well, I, um, you know, we tell our kids too, it, one thing is like, someone got cut for you to be here. You know, like we had X amount of kids, like it's an honor for you to be on this team, right? So I think I'm, I'm in line with your thinking there um, and your reflections on the game is fantastic. And I know, again, another great analogy. I never thought of that. Like everyone's mom and dad now has probably shot a hoop and you're correct. Uh, pre-generations, maybe that wasn't the case, right? And now we're in a place where they've all at least been exposed to it. Man, whew, all right. Yeah, now, but the scary good. part is, when you get mom and dad mm. think they know they know all about hoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different that's a whole different podcast, coach. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is true. That is true. Um, so in those years, right? I'm assuming that when you were manager, you're talking about McMaster, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so in those years, you know, you you go through the the difficult part of and everyone in, on you know 119 episodes in everyone's had a different journey and and how they've gotten to where they are through the game correct right and you know getting cut and being one of those people didn't get an opportunity to play at the post secondary but still wanted to be involved um what did you do in terms of you you talked about like just taking all the notes and soaking it all in was it just the mentor coach who said to you you can be a coach or were you already kind of seeing yourself in that like or did it take that moment for you to go yeah oh you know what he's actually correct like i can do something with this yeah i always saw myself going into teaching and mm. then all of a sudden i started motivating myself motivating myself was i did i go into teaching because i wanted to teach or did i go into teaching because mm-hmm. i wanted to coach and i think mm-hmm. i think they both were equal but it was my high school coach uh who said to me are you going to quit the game? And that's when it hit home because in his eyes, the game was bigger than just playing the game was coaching. The game was being an official. The game was being a minor official. The game had everything like this is the game you love. Find a way to get in it. And his advice was get on the court. And as a manager, get in with a little bit of skills, getting on the court gave you playing time every night. 
getting on the court, did a little bit of everything. It was, there was some duties, but man, what a great place to learn because not only you were part of the team with the players because they were your age, but you were also part of the team with the coaching staff. And you had to learn how to separate what you heard here and what you heard here because you had to get, Mm -hmm. you know, both people involved. Uh, To me, that was the best part is if you like it, find a way to stay with it. And uh, the game allows us so many stuff. And finally, you know, even on the officiating part now, I think finally we're seeing that we can, our officials will get better once we start recruiting players who played and players who think, okay, I can offer something to the game. But like in basketball, good teams recruited, you know, good universities got good players because coaches just don't make good players. You know, you got to have good players. I think we can do the same with officiating. And I think now in the CBL, having more minor officials do stuff. All of a sudden now, we've had more officials get to world championships, to Olympic games, because a domestic league now exists. The ripple mm-hmm. effect has been great. So if you like the game, find a way to stay with it. That's, that's the only advice I can give anyone. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, those officials that have been involved in the CBL, is that just be, like, and they get to go to, is that kind of just because it's a resume builder and they just getting a different opportunity and it's professional level and that just elevates them that much more? Yeah, no, I think what happened is, yeah. I think Canada's always had good officials. But what we didn't yeah. have and what hurt them when it came to a lot of major assignments was people could always say, yeah, but you guys don't have a professional domestic league. Uh, You're missing that. And once we started having a professional domestic league, a referee can't be shut out now because they do, they're they're not only just university officials at the highest level in Canada. Now you're a professional CBL official. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're watching our officials work in games at the world cup, working gold medal games at the Olympics. Uh, Mm -hmm. We like as a league, you feel really good because not only is our league improved, but that's part of the league. And I think we're filling a void for Canada basketball now where they can promote these officials saying, no, no, you got to give our people an honest look and they're good. Um, So I think that's helped. Love that. Yeah. Um, as you, as we go back, um, and you talk about those years where you're coaching back at the high school level and building the program and working hard and getting it to a championship level. And before the opportunity to get to McMaster happens where as a full-time head coach, what are you leaning on? How does someone in that, in your kind of era, learn and grow as a coach, obviously being a manager, the coaching staff you're around, you're taking mental and physical notes. Um, you know, in a time where for us nowadays, we can hop on YouTube, we can fly to Vegas and see, you know, uh, 12 men's and women's division one coaches over a weekend. But in that time, it was just a different way to learn. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. It always intrigues me. And I think it's cool too, because I think not that there isn't a sharing going on. I'm an open book. You know, I mentioned my f- colleagues are open books, but it seems like in that era, there was a lot of just everyone working together. Yeah, we're going to compete our asses off and I'm going to come at you, but we're going to learn and grow together as coaches too. So just take us back to that and how you learned and, and started to develop your craft. Well, the lucky part, like being the manager was you learn there, but being an assistant coach, I was assistant coach for Dave Arsenal. Two well. years. Yeah, and Dave okay. ended up being, okay. go, eventually going from this great defensive coach. He ended up <laughs> going to Iowa and started the Grinnell program there where they were scoring 150 points uh, in the game. <laughs> 
And then Barry Phillips, who I worked for, was a great technician and incredibly organized and an exceptional people person. Mm-hmm. So it gave me a little bit of enough of a background. And I you know, went to clinics and, and, and even as a head coach, there never was a year as a head coach that I didn't go to at least two clinics. And I would go to high mm. school practices. I would see how mm. some of the great high school coaches were doing it. Um, learning was huge to me. So when I went to the high school program I had and the principal said, listen, how are you going to do this? Um, mm. I went back to everything to me was back to my teaching, whole part whole. Teach the whole, teach the part, then go back and teach the whole again. You know, like a math class, teach the whole section, break it down in parts, slower the student, bigger the parts, you know, better the student, smaller the parts, and you just go back to the whole. But I, I decided then from watching the great coaches that I saw, and again, being closer to, to Buffalo and getting games and stuff, that you had to, there was curriculum. And what happened mm-hmm. is you needed to build the team under one coach, the varsity coach had to be in charge. And in our case, we coached all three teams. So it gave us four years to build the curriculum. It was like math. If, if the curriculum doesn't build, then there's no way you're taking calculus uh, unless you had the blocks. But what happened in high school sport was the JV coach is trying to win a JV championship and he's teaching one thing. And all of a sudden the guy gets to the varsity level and they're teaching it differently. But if it was all taught properly and you think in a school, that's where the curriculum base should start. It should be from the top down. How do we teach everything? That, and being a teacher first, gave me a huge advantage. Teaching basketball or coaching basketball like I would as a program director in, in, in a specific academic is the kind of way we taught it. So teaching was huge. Commitment was huge. Um, practices were huge. Like the year we won the Office of Championship, I had 10 kids on the team and we had one day where all 10 kids weren't at practice. And part of it was kids were hurt and kids were sick, but kids never missed practice. Practice mm-hmm. was the most important thing that we had. If you're going to miss, miss if you're hurt, you're going to miss a game, that's one thing. Don't miss practice. And we made practice Mm. so important. Um, And it really helped build the culture. And parents and kids bought in. Um, I'd give you a great story. I coached a professional football player for the Ticats at the time. He was retired and he was a great athlete. His son was my best player. His son went on to be maybe had the greatest high school coaching record uh, in women's high school basketball. Rich Wasilowski. And... uh, his one day of practice, Rich was my star player. He could shoot lights out. And Rich is a sophomore, and he's just not working hard enough. And I got upset with him. And his dad, because they lived outside the town, his dad would pick him up every night at practice. And uh, so he's not working hard enough. And I just said, okay, Rich, what? You're out. I threw him out of practice. And he got changed, got upset, huffed and puffed and whatever, and left. And he looked at his dad, and his dad looked at him and said, you know, you got thrown out of practice, not me. Get in the car. His dad sat there and watched the rest of practice. And that to me, from a coach and a parent relationship, I was thinking, wow, did I just get affirmation from him as a parent that what we're doing is right and bought in 100%. And I'm thinking, okay, that's the support you needed. Um, 
And that really, really helped as a coach, having the parents understanding what you're doing mm-hmm. and then buying yeah. it. Um, I'm not going to say more about that topic. I think it's an interesting... <laughs> I was, ra- I was raised the same too. I remember going home and complaining about teachers and coaches and my dad would look me in the face, go talk to him. I'm not, what do you want me to do? Right. And so it's uh, yeah, definitely lost a little bit of that. Um, the opportunity to get to McMaster comes out along and it's, I think this is so unique because, you know, there we've had people, you know, like Dave Crook who end up coming back to Winnipeg, but have to go to, you know, small town to kind of get their career going was there ever a moment where you're like, is this for real? Is this all like, is, is someone pranking me or it's just a, it seems like a series of events, not, and, and Hey, credit to you. You worked hard, you developed your career, you built, built your resume. They wouldn't have hired you if they didn't think you were the right candidate, but it is a pretty unique story in terms of just being a hometown Hamilton guy. Hey. Yeah, no, I like a timing is, is everything. And there's no, yeah. question. And, 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 and you, and you got to respect that. And you got to be fortunate with it. The year after sure. we won the Offset Championship, the idea that the head coach Barry Phillips was thinking, I, I, I might step down in a year or two. Would you interested in coming back as an assistant? And maybe, and I, and I did, and they gave me an opportunity to think, okay, do I want to do this full time? Mm-hmm. And then he decided that he was stepping up to an assistant AD role, and the opportunity came. And I have to, I'm 32 years old at the time. I've got two young kids, a third on the way. And I'm thinking, man, this universe, is this the way to go? Because <laughs> teaching was a lot more comfortable and less risk. percent. I've got to tell you something about Hamilton. And I was teaching for the Hamilton Catholic board, which is a, a great board, but very sports. They were very supportive of sports. They loved the idea that I was coaching. And I talked to a director of education at the time. Imagine back then, some director of education is worried about a 32-year-old guy and a superintendent. <laughs> and they literally said, don't do anything. Give us a few days. And they came back with this innovative idea of being seconded to the university. Teach a period of day at the high school. You're going to get seconded because the high school and the university was literally less than a kilometer away. And we're going to protect your family and we're going to protect you and your pension and everything else. We're going to do it a little. And they felt by doing that, that this would help them get more coaches, more serious about coaching, more teachers serious about coaching. They looked out for me, but they also felt this was good. This was good to say one of our high school coaches has now become a head coach at a university. So Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate. I was at the right time. And in the words of the director at the time, a guy named Jerry Ponikbar, who was the nicest man to me, he was, don't let your ego get in front of your brain. Let's figure this <laughs> thing out. And uh, I got a chance to mention that to his son the other day in, in the conversation, but uh, it worked <laughs> out that. for me. So I, one of the advantages, and I got to tell you, Aaron, that I felt mm-hmm. I had over every other coach in, 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 at that time was CIS or U Sports as now. Imagine I was seconded. So my mortgage is being paid by my day, my job where I started as a teacher and wins and losses weren't paying my mortgage. I had so much less pressure to succeed based on three year, four year, five year contracts. Like I knew that if things didn't work out, I had a job. And that itself, that roadmap Mm -hmm. 
made teaching, just made the whole program so much better. And back then I decided I was going to build a program built on, we had great kids from, especially from the Hamilton area. We we're going to try to keep the best kids in Hamilton and not lose them to division. We're just, just, you know, students graduate every four years. The community does it. And we were a community-based team with huge crowds, great, you know, involvement, great follow. And we got kids and all of a sudden the best kid in town all showed up at our games. Uh, they were every game. They were there. Like kids wanted to play for us and it, it became a, a badge of honor. And then we, kind of recruiting, gotten a little bit better. So uh, timing was good. Like I said, location was great for me, uh, but you have to take advantage of it. Yeah. I I just think, like, I love hearing that story because I think in the school system, and you're talking about you have a passion for the high school game, and I recognize my privilege being at a, at a private school. We're not you know, it's not 40 grand to go to our school. We have a lot of middle-class people, but there are some advantages with coaching and how we get taken care of. And I just, I wish I would see it more and not just in athletics, any, any teacher that wants to be involved extracurricular and give up their personal time. I feel like there just needs to be more support for those people. And, and people like those admin that were in place for you to recognize, Hey, we've got a, we've got a good thing here. Let's not screw this all up and let's make it work. And then that just gives you that much more confidence about, wow, these people believe in me. It makes you a better coach, going to make you a better dad, going to make you a better teacher, husband, whatever it is. And then it sets a model for others that go, hey, well, if I put some time in, maybe I can you know, have that too, right? And I, and I think we are lacking that a little bit. And I wish, I wish some of our unions and things had the, a little bit more kind of say in those things and, and took care of people that were willing to go above and beyond to say, and that's not to say the teachers don't, but I think those that are involved in things outside. And as you know, coach, this is where the kids learn, right? It's, it's outside the school setting where they really learn life. Yeah, no question. You know, I've always really said, if I had my, my music teacher was part of the, of the Philharmonic orchestra in our town. How lucky am Mm. I? (laughs) (laughs) right right like yeah this isn't like joe the the trumpet teacher who charges on the side it's like this person's an an elite level you know musician right like it's crazy yeah yeah and as you think about all those you know those seasons you touched on i mean you know not not getting to winning that final national championship but in the end it doesn't really matter i mean it's the memories and all the relationships that you've built uh, and I think about, at least in my era of, you know, gr- being a 95 high school grad to 2001, kind of the guys that I saw go through Mac, guys that I know that have played for your program. Um, what are some moments that stand out or does it, when you think and had the opportunity to kind of like go back and reflect on everything that happened for you and what you built, um, what were the things that have, that, that came to you, to you, uh, your heart and your soul? Well, you know, the wins and losses are are, are great, and, you, and every you put every face that you ever coached around that record, and I and it, it was a record because of the players uh, getting to the nationals on a consistent basis. We set a standard. We got there, like I said, twelve out of eighteen years. And can um, we pause this time out? Let me. Yeah. And let's talk about how hard that is, right? You're, I mean, people. One, let let's take Carlton and out of the picture, just to get there is it's eight teams. It's eight teams. It's not, you know, and it, and it's a grind in terms of within your own conference, 
So 12 out of 18 years, I mean, that's pretty phenomenal stuff, but I'll let you keep going. Yeah, Sorry. no, no, it, 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 it wasn't. It was a t- tough conference. And that, that was one of the reasons we got there because we mm-hmm. had to get through great schools, but it was actually, actually the glory days too. Uh, mm-hmm. We had, we had TV every Saturday. There was the game of the week in the OUA West and we could, you know, and it was CHCH TV kind of went national and you didn't even realize it. Uh, but winning those games, winning conference championships, getting you there. The one thing that I, I you, know, you look back and like I said, yeah, we'd all want to win gold, but man, mm-hmm. I got a chance to recruit players that I want to live with and the relationships. I always said to somebody, I think I led the youth sports in weddings attended. Uh, <laughs> you know, we had just a great group of guys that were really close knit. Um, you know, when you get asked to be the godfather of a player's kid and you have a relationship like we still have and the base of the guys are still, still tight. Um, that's a, that, that's a part of who we were as a group, mm-hmm. but also it, it was a part of the, the situation. I was at a very good academic institution. I couldn't mm-hmm. get everybody in, mm-hmm. but you had to, you know, you had to get basketball players in who wanted to get better. And you had the, and you knew you were going to get at the end of it, like you were going to get players when they graduated, they're going to maybe not be playing basketball. A lot of them went on to play pros, but I had more PhDs and MDs than I had professional <laughs> basketball players. And that is kind of where you hang your hat on. But the other part of it is the amount of them that went on to coach at yeah, high levels. You know, when you look yeah. at your tree and you're thinking, okay, I'm part of this tree, but you look around and um, that part of it is as enjoyable now looking back as any win and losses. Yeah, that's great reflection. Um, and I think the cool part and the unique thing that I've touched on already once is like, once you got your program established and maybe branched outside of the community it seems without you of saying it directly that if you brought someone in from outside the Hamilton area, they had to recognize that, Hey, this is a community team and we're going to be ingrained in this community. And I think that that's very cool as well Is that the pride that you have for Hamilton and, and how you took that approach. And like I said, I'm assuming right now it, it just, you haven't said it directly, but um, if someone was coming from out of town, it was like, Hey, this is what we do and this is how we do things. And we're, we're Hamilton first, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? And it was part of the recruiting of the guys you recruited. Mm-hmm. And we, and, and I got to tell you, like when you recruit a player on, on seniors day, I had some guys who started their first game on seniors day. Yeah. <laughs> and, but also I could say that I had those same guys never cheated me out of a practice. Like the culture mm. was there. You know, we mm-hmm. started building it with Hamilton guys, but then, you know, it ends when you get a, a Ben Cates or a Doug Doyle, guys that went on to have great careers. And Ben is now the GM of assistant GM of a CBL team. When you got some of those guys in, they just took the level of play to a different, they were the same guys. They just happened to be living in a different town. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you kind of looked at those guys and you said, okay, but the culture had to be built somewhat. Yeah. Um, and then other people just took it to a different level. Love it. Um, when did, when did you get a first call from Canada? When was your first opportunity to be involved? 
This, um, this is a great story because in my yeah. first year, we kind of we wild carded. We got a team. We got into the nationals, and we got into okay. the tournament, and we're playing a strong uh, Brandon team. Jerry Hemmings had it. He had it cooking. It was Victoria. Then after Victoria came Brandon, and we were the wild card, and we got a game and we beat them. And then we went mm-hmm. on in the semifinals and we went a buzzer beater. And before you know it, we're at the national championship and <laughs> we're playing St. Effects in Halifax. And there are nine, 10,000 people in the arena and seven are from Mac cheering for us. And come on. <laughs> yes. And it was, it was, it was, you know, people didn't expect us to get the wild card and we went our work our way and we lose in a very hard fought game. And the ex fans rushed the floor. Some of them I went to school with, you know, back in the day, their fans rushed the floor and we lose to X. Well, that night we book a meal for our fans at the time. And there was more than seven and our team, we have a end of season meal. Well, it ends up that X booked the same restaurant. (laughs) And so you got the two teams in the national championship celebrating their seasons in the same restaurant. And it was my, and I knew Steve Konchowski a little bit. And Mm -hmm. we thought, you know what, if you're going to compete that hard, you might as well share bread. And it turned into a heck of a night, you know, an awkward situation turned into a memorable evening. And Mm -hmm. Steve and I became friends instantly. And once he got the head coaching job, he was looking for a young guy that could challenge him a little bit. And, uh, brought me aboard and we've been friends ever since. And, uh, that kind of, you know, one of the best things that can happen to a head coach is have the opportunity to become an Mm -hmm. assistant coach, because now you have to learn Mm -hmm. how to teach what somebody else wants. So it's not not about yours anymore. It's not your ownership, how you do it. You got to take what your head coach wants and you got to sell it and you got to do a great job of it. It may not be exactly how you would do it, but you have to be great at it. And my four years with the national team as an assistant uh, was a great, great learning experience. If you didn't know our second sponsor, ATO Basketball, AKA ATO B-Ball, located directly at the Langley Event Center in British Columbia. This place has everything you need. I swear if you walk in and you're a hoop head, there's nothing you won't be able to find. Sale items, Jordan, Adidas, Puma, you name it. The brands are all there. Shoes, jerseys, retro, current, Vancouver Bandits. You can even get every basketball you name. Shout out to our boy Jeff at ATOB Ball for willing to be a sponsor to us. Go check them out. Check the store, mention us, and who knows, you might find yourself lucky. Thanks to ATOB Ball. That's crazy. I love that. I, you know, um, before we continue to talk about that, did you realize that first year, like, whoa, that was a crazy run? Or did you think, yeah, yeah, you know, like making the national final, no big deal. You know, it doesn't really take that much. Look what happened this year. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 you stay humble right off the bat. But, you know, I, I came in, it was a kind of, it, there was a lot of controversy early in the year because 
There was a couple players that, you know, really good varsity, a really good player, just didn't like the direction I was going to take the team. And he went on to actually, he was such a good athlete that he went on to play varsity volleyball. Hmm. He was like an athlete that could have been like an all conference player in both sports. And mm-hmm. so we, we had some adversity, but it was my captain it was a fifth year guy that bought in um, guy, Jeff Zauner, who went on to coach St. Mike's won himself a number of officer championship, a great turned out to be a great coach and a great teacher. Um, he was all in on me and he owned the locker room. Mm-hmm. And with that, everybody, he was like, I was so fortunate that I had him. And I had another Jack Vanderpool who was a six, nine Robocop at the time. Like Jack was the best rebounder <laughs> in the country. And, you know, Jack had the Moses Malone. He would take six shots, get five offensive rebounds and eventually score. But man, I was, I had some guys and they all bought in, bought in mm-hmm. some great freshmen. Um, Titus Channer went on to be a, a Moser winner. An athlete of Legend. the year was a freshman. Legend. Um, so, oh, was he? He was a freshman, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, no, he came in as he came as it was my second year. Titus came in, but we had a bunch okay. of guys. But it was Jeff Zauner who, like, I I had the locker room from day one because he had my back. It's awesome, Titus Channer, man. It's a name right there. That guy could flat out play ball. <laughs> Holy smokes! Wow. Um, I love it. Uh, and then you know. McMaster wraps up. What's the reflection after that? Um, obviously, you still want to stay in the game, and you've had some really unique, cool opportunities, right? Like being a—I don't know what what are they a pre-scout for Team Canada and going and checking out teams. And um, how did you sort of bounce back or figure out the next step for yourself as a, as a coach and someone involved? Obviously, your son too stayed involved with the game, which has got to be you know pretty special for you as well. Yeah, you know what? It, 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 I was very fortunate, and it was very difficult at the time because my son was playing for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wanted to be a dad and watch his career and see how it would go. And I didn't want my direction of what was happening to me affect him. Um, but ultimately, he made he decided to transfer, and he transferred to Carleton and got to be in the backcourt and graduated as a captain. As well. I was there for two years, and he was a captain with Phil and Tommy Scrub. And I think the three of them average, you know, they were shooting the ball about 49% from the three (laughs) and they've become, you know, and then it turned around where Victor goes on and is coaching where Tom and Phil go on playing. And he coached at Carlton for a year and then came on and uh, took over as the youngest FIBA GM head coach in the river lines and has been there for five years and probably is the winningest coach in the CBL. And then watching him coach Phil or watching him play against Tommy now is great. He, yeah. he hit the jackpot. He got to go and learn under the greatest mind in Canadian basketball history in Dave Smart and mm-hmm. reap the benefits. You know, I, I was said, I always joked him. I said, like, you got the benefit of being around two lunatics. You know, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, so his, oh, ed- I love it. <laughs> his education was was great, was great as a player and as a coach, and I think he's reaped the benefits of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It's pretty cool too. I think it's a great story, and just sort of to, uh, you know, obviously he's just 
growing up being around the game, but for him to still have love and passion for it and to take it that level, it's got to be pretty fun for you to watch, eh? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what, Aaron, the only advice I give, mm. like I give a lot of parents tell me about where the kids should be going to school. And I said, listen, where you go to school, if you've got a choice of picking someplace, it should mm-hmm. always be based on the coach. Like go to the best coach you can find, go to the best teacher you can find. The wins and losses will come, but you need, like, it's all about, and, and in coaching right now, if I gave somebody the same advice, I said, learn under, go to the best place you can learn. It's, it's like, if I was going to do a PhD, I wanted to go find the best professor. I want to find the best coaches to learn from because that's where you're going to get your knowledge. Um, so, you know, I always tell parents because parents have the choice right now. You see it, kids, loyalty is a thing that's spelled with a small L nowadays. And kids are moving around way too often. And I think parents are missing the boat. It's, it's, it's about the coaching. And, um, and so I think they can help themselves if they follow that. Well, and just understanding too, especially in Canada, five years is a damn long time. If you're stepping onto a campus as a turning 18 or turning 19 year old, and you have 23, four five year olds and <laughs> at the fourth and fifth year, there's a big difference in, every aspect of life. And if you just stay the course and trust and learn, you never know what can happen. I agree. Yep. I agree. Um, you ready to do some fun questions and we'll get you on your way. Did you read your email? I didn't. Oh, I love it. Perfect. Okay. He just looked at the zoom link. That's it. Okay. He's the busy man. Okay. No, I, 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 I apologize. And I, well, let's see. No, I love it. This is great. Let's see what happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, you've got the best seat in the house for a concert. Um, the, whatever venue you think is great too. And the artist can be dead or alive. You could have seen them or not. doesn't matter. If you had a choice, give us a couple of artists who you're going to go see. Well, I'm always going to go see Bruce Springsteen because I just always entertained by it. Um, can I tell you, can I tell you a sad story? Okay. Okay. So my mom who's passed away, her favorite was Bruce, like the boss. We had the, we bought her the live four cassette, you know, she rocked it in the house every day, all day. Right. So, you know, the boss is my guy and I've, I've always wanted to go. Um, I've, you know, I'm a Cubs fan, so I've threatened to go to Wrigley and then he's supposed to be here in a couple of weeks. And it was my birthday last week. And my wife surprised me and got me tickets. Okay. I almost fell off my chair. Well, the next day he canceled because he's having health issues. So he's, he's canceled his tour. So I don't know if like, there may be a chance that he might never tour again here. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and we were, my wife and I are close. We're about four hours from Pittsburgh and we try to get down there for a baseball game every season. We just love the city. So our plan okay. was to go down and watch a Pirates game, which people might think is completely bizarre, but no, this was amazing. in town. We were going to get Springsteen tickets. And that was on the same tour he canceled, uh, I think, two, uh, three weeks ago. So we were on the same situation. But, yeah, I, I, I think Bruce, I, I'm a huge Killers fan. Got to see them in oh. a very, very small venue. And yeah. uh, actually a former football player was the doorman at this <laughs> uh, place. He recognized me and VIP'd us. And we were, like, unbelievably taken care of. <laughs> love it. I love to hear it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. 
And your wife's looking at you like, okay, maybe it was worth it. You not being home all this time. We got front row to the killers. Yeah. There's something to be said for a smaller venue too. Hey, sometimes like the bigger ones are great, but a nice, small, intimate venue with, you know, good sound is it's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see who have been some of the most important people in your life. Oh man. My parents, uh, I wake up every day, the son of two immigrants who worked hard and uh, did nothing but support me. Uh, my dad couldn't believe I could make a, a living wearing running shoes and uh, didn't, know a, didn't know a thing about basketball, but did nothing but support me and only gave me one word of advice to ever tell my players. And mm. that is never be on time, just always be early. Can't get in trouble being early. And that's the only advice and coaching my dad ever gave me. And I shared it with every team I've coached. <laughs> love it that's amazing um okay how how do you feel is a very canadian question um you know obviously you're longer in the tooth a little bit of uh, european heritage here so you might even be offended by this question but how do you feel about ketchup on macaroni no no i i, I pasta is sacred i i don't mess around with it uh no no as soon as you put like i could do you know no no uh, you can give me macaroni. You, even, you can give me macaroni and cheese, and I'll deal with it. But you can't do you know. <laughs> he could barely even put the words together. He's so disappointed in that question, ladies and gentlemen. You know, teaching at a Catholic private school, you always got to find you got to find the good Italians, and you never know yeah. what you can get as a little uh, comes home in the Tupperware for you. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. We were the guys with the oily bags at school because <laughs> the sandwich went through. You can't even put ketchup on a hot dog in Wrigley Field. Come on, now that's a no. <laughs> so I've got three buddies. I got three buddies in Chicago, and I told them like every time I have a hot dog, I said a video of me putting ketchup on it just to annoy them, right? And uh, I said if they can show me a video of them singing the Canadian anthem word for word with no script, I'll never have ketchup on a hot dog again. But they have yet to do it. So, but I didn't have one in Wrigley. I did not. No, you're right. I, I wasn't ready for that. Um, you okay so let's say let's go with this you're coaching you get to take five players now you could pick your favorite players growing up some you've mentioned watching on the tv with the rabbit ears or you know some favorites that you've coached doesn't matter but five guys or girls doesn't matter you're going to the black top though so you know play to 15 or 21 call your own and you're on the sideline what five players are you taking with you well First one I'm taking is Steve Nash. Um, I had, there is, I always tell people, as good as people talk about Steve, they're way off. He's a whole lot better. And as a player mm. and as a person, um, he's, my, he's my Mount Rushmore and my, like the guy that I've been around um, and, and look at. And I, so I, I, I don't know if I look at players that I've always admired and stuff like that. Uh -huh. Oscar Robertson was my first. Uh, you know, I don't know if he was anywhere near the best. I always felt Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the most underrated great player of all time. Uh, That's fair. Yep. Give me, I'll take Larry Bird any day, any time. Um, yes. And if I'm going to take a modern player, there's so many of them that you look at, you think of Kobe. But I got to tell mm -hmm. you, the one guy that I, I, I feel is undervalued and, and, and often too much ridiculed is Russell Westbrook. Uh, oh. Just because I don't think Russell Westbrook 
ever cheat you on any night. Like, I don't think Russell Westbrook, as a fan, if you're going to go watch him play, he may not knock down the shot. He may not do any of that stuff. But I, I'm telling you, he is – if I watch his career and I think he's been on great teams, he's been on bad teams. He doesn't cheat you out of a fan. Like, I would agree. take KD over him as a player, but I'm going to say uh, I, got, I got lots of respect, and I think um, I wouldn't mind throwing that out there. I like that. I think uh, two things. One, on the blacktop here, you've got enough talent out there. You need that guy like Russell who's going to show up. He'll guard. He'll you know he'll rebound. He'll do everything else. Maybe that the other guys maybe don't feel how or have the energy to do. Um, secondly, I literally saw a clip this morning, and it was said the title was "People will never you know share this clip of Russell." And it's him when OKC Carmelo's on the team. They're like down two in a game, and he literally chases down three offensive rebounds in the same possession. And then Mello hits a three to win the game. It's like, he's the, he's literally going nuts running around this coat coach, like a uh, court coach. Like I was like, Oh my God. And it's true. Like we do dwell on all the negatives, but I like that. That's a good remix. Well played, sir. Well played. Yeah. Not just a pretty face. All right. If you had a choice between uh, books or movies, what would you choose? Movies. Okay. Give us some all timers. What's what's oh, one that you wouldn't or yeah, go for it. Man, there, there's there's so many that you'd go for. You know, your your time and your era. Um I the other day I got caught watching. Well, I'm not saying my favorite movie. You talk to we'll get it. It's funny. The other it stole two hours, it took two hours of my life because I saw it like five times. It was 12 angry men. As bad, as crazy as that sounds, you just caught the beginning of it and it would just sucked you in. And I know every line and every character and everybody I watched for 12 hours. You can't go past Shawshank and not stop, you know? Oh, you, man. And the same with Goodfellas, like you, Oh, you know, you, so uh, <laughs> without, without practicing and rehearsing this, I'm just going to throw those, those two right at you at any time. Um, and, you know, and then the trilogy of the, God, the, the, the two Godfather movies, you can't, uh, you know, just going back what? to feel. Am I some sort of, com- yeah. am I some sort of comedian? Do I amuse you? <laughs> Come on. Good fellas. Wow. Shawshank. <laughs> now we're talking, baby. I love it. It's bringing the heat, bringing the heat. All right. Two more questions for you. Um, you are about to sit down and watch one of those movies, maybe Goodfellas, but you're like, I'm going to quickly make a run to the store, feeling a little munchy, and you're going to go and pick a bag of chips. What bag of chips are you grabbing? I always grab hot. Do the hot just give me barbecue or anything that's flaming. I am taking hot. Uh, wow. As a young kid, we were. I even we had used to have bacon, but I'm 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 a, I'm a barbecue to anything jalapeno, anything hot. Slows wow. me down, just slows me down a little bit because my goal <laughs> is to get to the bottom of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's so true. Chips are bad. That's a, but then you, but then you dust the bag off and your tongue's all numb and yeah. your lips, but Hey, it was probably worth it. Cause you got to watch <laughs> Goodfellas. Yeah. Just use the other hand for the remote. So the cheese or whatever isn't all over the remote. Um, mm-hmm. Coach, this has been awesome and a pleasure. Last question for you. Um, 
Who would you like to see on a hoops journey? Um, the only thing is, just like Coach K gave me your contact info, you've got to let me know who this person is and you're the connection. So who's out there? They've got a great story to share and you think would be a good guest to have on our podcast. Well, you you, you got to have Dave Smart on there. And Dave and Jay to me, Jay Triano. Are, they had Big Jay. Yeah, two friends. Um Great teachers, great coaches. Uh, but Dave, to me, you know, we talk about people that are undervalued. The man has done things that nobody, like, you can't say never. But I can say never here. Nobody can ever do what he's done. And the relationship, and, mis- and, and completely, like, and I think misunderstood in many ways. People just don't. A great, great teacher. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have a conversation with Dave in a room and with Ken Shields in the room. And you, know, you talk about two guys that were legendary and you would see so many things that were in common uh, between the two. If I'm talking about coaching basketball in Canada, those two guys would definitely come up. I love it. Well, we did have the pleasure of uh, having Ken and we've had Jay. So Mr. Smart, I, I mean, obviously... He's, to me, the GOAT. I agree. Um, and you're right. You can't say those things, but he, no one will accomplish what he did. And I agree. I had the opportunity one year. Carlton came out to the UVic tournament. I came over um, to visit Kevin Hansen. My brother was on the island, and and I, we went to the coach's social after, and, and I had the opportunity to sit with him for a few hours, and we shared a beer and chatted, and I really enjoyed the conversation. So um, I know podcasts probably wouldn't be his most ideal thing but i feel like i could dig into my toolbox and get him to share a few things what do you think you know what i think so and i think like you know now him and him and like i said every coach should be an assistant the fact that he's an assistant at texas tech i think this is an incredible story I isn't think, it i think it, talk about you're the best coach in this in the history of basketball in canada and you mm-hmm. are going someplace to get better Pretty impressive. I don't have any words. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. Okay. Well, the pressure's on you now. You have to do it for us. Sound okay. good? I will. I will do my end, and I will help. You're welcome. Add a boy. That would be great. I want to listen to that one. Awesome. Well, listen, Coach. 119 episodes in. You know, as I look back on my career as a as a player and stuff, you know, you're right there. You guys battling Saint of X in the semi, and you know you know, a really challenging game and some guys I know that have played for you. So this was an honor and a privilege selfishly to be able to talk with you and uh, connect with you. Um, Continued success with the CBL. Thank you for all you've done for the game and our country and continue to do. Um, And, and much love and health and happiness to you and your family. Any last thoughts or reflections before we uh, let you go? It's, It's a brand new season for everybody. I am looking forward to watching basketball. Um, there's no place I'd rather be in the gym. And I think, and from high school basketball to a college game, to a pro game, uh, uh, people got to get out, get out, like just get out and, and, and be entertained. Um, because there's people are working hard out there, get out and watch them play, watch your local teams play, go and support your local teams, your high school teams as much as anything else. So, uh, if anything, it's a new season and just everybody just keep, Getting ready for to have some fun. 
Love it. As our good friend Russell Crowe said, are you not entertained? (laughs) Episode 119 with an absolute Canadian legend. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, Everybody go watch Goodfellas this weekend. DM me and send me what you thought because it is an absolute classic. And we'll see you on the next episode. 